Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. So how you doing this week, Mike? Well, Chris, I think we should start off with a congratulations oh, to thank you. the newest thank you. doctor on the podcast, Dr. Furman. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was nice to finish everything up and get, you know, dot the I across the T, get that degree. Well, I don't have the degree yet, but uh, I'm submitting my thesis maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Um, and then I'll walk in May officially. So, all yeah. right. It's, it was nice. Thanks for uh, all the all the shout outs on on Facebook when you posted that picture. So, yeah, we got a couple of listeners uh, shouting you out as well. So that was really nice to see from our Mitrap Pod community. So we're yeah. all we're all proud of you, man. And I think we also need to wish each other a Merry Christmas. This pod will be yes. coming out uh, the week before Christmas, so you can listen while you're wrapping your last presents or uh, buying your last presents, whatever you're doing, or no presents. Yeah. And then shortly after that, uh, we'll have one more pod before the new year. So we will be bringing to you a pretty important episode uh, the week or the Monday after Christmas. And then come January 2021, it's going to feel wait. so good. Can't we wait. get to kick it off. Yep. And we get to kick off the new year with Consent to Kill. No yes. better book to start the year with. Ringing in the new year with Consent to Kill. That, that'll be good. Well, a quick update um, on our a listener appreciation end. We got a very nice email from Jake W. He was following up. I don't know if you remember, Chris, from episode 34, you cornered right. me on history. I did. I did. <laughs> we were tr- You're the history buff. Yeah, we were trying to figure out, you know, because in Memorial Day part one, there's this scheme to replace the vice president on the reelection ticket with the attorney general. And so we were wondering, has that ever happened before? The two closest examples, and Jake pointed these out, so thank you, Jake W., was obviously Nixon. Um, Spiro Agnew resigned shortly before the Watergate, Watergate crisis, and Nixon later himself resigned. So Nixon was able to appoint a new vice president, and that would be Gerald Ford. Um, right. He was the House majority leader at the time. But it's different than Memorial Day because it wasn't necessarily firing your vice president for re-election purposes. Spiro did resign because he had his own financial right. uh, scandal or trouble um, on the horizon. So, Yes. The other one, Jake reminded me, was FDR, which, again, different time period, so different circumstances, but... FDR did have three different vice presidents, and two of them were different running mates for different elections. Knowing he was elected to four terms, he did have three different vice presidents during those terms. And two elections, he had different vice presidents than the prior election. So I guess that would be the uh, maybe the closest, closest example, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, Hey, Jake, just to wrap up, also left us a five-star review, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So that's Always appreciated. Always appreciated. Yes. Yes. If you could open the Apple Podcast app, search No Limits Mitch Rap Pod, please just leave us a rating and review. It helps us get recognized and grow the show. So we love hearing from you guys. All right. Well, uh, what are we covering today, Chris? How about you take us into it? Right. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Mike had, we ran an episode where Mike had the opportunity to speak with Andy McDermott from the short fan film, uh, Mitch Rapp Off Book. It was a great interview, Mike. And we thought it would be a cool idea to you know, talk a little bit more about that film. We haven't really discussed it on the pod. And to do that, we invited in a guest, a fellow Mitch Rapp pod ambassador, fellow Mitch Rapp ambassador, Brian C. And he's from, he's a Mitch Rapp fan, and he's the co-host of Com Majors podcast. Um, very enjoyable podcast. We highly recommend you guys going out, give them a listen, give them a follow. Um, where they, uh, they're not a Mitch Rapp podcast, they're a movie podcast. They critique different movies, um, wide variety. Most recently they've done, you know, Mad Max Fury Road, The Social Network. I think I saw last week was Fences. You know, and it's nice you can just go and pick and either if you just watched a movie, find something they've done. They've been going for like three years, two two and a half years now, uh, I, I think. Um, or, you know, they announced the movie and you can watch it and then listen to the podcast. So 
yeah, uh, give them a follow, Com Majors Pod. And uh, here's our interview with with Brian. Hey guys, today we welcome Brian C., a fellow Mitch Rap ambassador, a teacher, and the big one, podcaster. So welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's a thrill to get to listen every week and now to get to be on. It's uh, it's very exciting. Hey, same here. So how about you tell us a little bit more about your podcast, Com Majors, and the background, where the idea came from and where you guys are at with that project. So, uh, you know, like so much of the podcasting world, we are a, uh, a movie podcast. I wish we had had maybe had this uh, idea like you guys to pick something which is such, such a unique thing that uh, differentiates us. But, you know, really started almost three years ago now. We're, we're about to record, as we're talking now, our 125th episode, which is wow. crazy when I think about it. And it really came out of a desire uh, for my friend Jim and I, who, you know, like you guys, uh, we went to college together and lived in different areas. You know, we had gone to college, the University of Scranton, then had lived together uh, as roommates. And then, you know, we both got married and stuff, but down in suburban Philadelphia. And then my wife and I had moved back up to Boston, which was where she was from. So it was kind of just an opportunity once a week to get together. And, you know, it kind of we talked about, well, what do we want to do? And at first, you know, we said, well, we'll talk books, we'll talk movies, we'll talk. And it's kind of turned into a movie of the week podcast. Now, uh, we throw in some other things from time to time. And, you know, we try to pick movies we love. And, uh, you know, his wife is actually a great friend of mine as well from college. I actually knew them both separately before they met each other and got married. Uh, And she joined us, I would say, pretty quickly in the project. And we've, you know, like I said, we've been going that direction for almost three years, three years in September now. All right. Congrats. Thanks. You guys know it's quite an undertaking. It's fun, but it's, it, it's, it's an interesting experience. Something three years ago I never th- would have thought I'm doing, and now it's something that's part of my life on an almost daily basis, which I'm sure you guys can attest to as well. It can kind of consume your free time in ways you never imagined before. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I think, you know, when we, when Mike sort of approached me about us starting our podcast, I was, you know, we were in the middle of the quarantine pandemic, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. I have nothing to do. Um, and, and as soon as I got back into lab, it was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? But actually it's a nice like uh, reprieve from my everyday life and, you know, doing, and I get, I got to hang out with Mike more than I actually hang out with him in college, you know, because right. he was busy being a teacher and I was busy in lab. So it's been great. Yeah, I, I found pretty quickly that, you know, there's so many podcasts, but the ones you like, you like really for two reasons. I think you guys have both of yours, uh, of these in your podcast. It's, you got to like the people and you have to like the relationship that people have. And that's why you right. want to do that. Because there, again, there's so many of them and you have to have an interesting hook to it. Now, sometimes you can get away with having one of the two. Like if you have people you're interested in and that type of thing, that's great. If you have both, which I think you guys do, um, oh, it makes you. it that much faster, I think, to ramp it up. You know, for us, I think it took us, it took us a while to get into a groove of what our podcast really was and, you know, what was going to work. Um, and I think when you start out, you feel that you have to, it has to be like a production, you know, that there has to be, it has to be a show. And once you start to like peel that back and realize it's just better if it's you talk about what you love. Right. A conversation. We were just excited to get anyone to listen to it. So the <laughs> fact that multiple people are listening to it besides our families, it's, it's great. Yeah. I know it is kind of surreal when you think about that. I mean, you kind of just assume like you're not doing it for other people, at least we were. Yeah. I mean, if it, if we could get two people we don't know to listen to it, right. you know, that's like a major achievement for us. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it is a little weird when it's somebody you don't know like we do our shows live on facebook and um so i kind of run that side of just the who's following us and stuff like that and when you start to get people you don't know i'm like well it could be a russian bot or it could yeah. actually be a real person that's listening i'm gonna go with the, the real person that's listening and not a russian bot and it's kind of exciting you mentioned it took you a couple of years to get going and but i think like now you guys I, i've listened to you a couple of times now and you feel like you guys have great chemistry, but I do have a question, you know, just about the logistics of your podcast. How do you, how do you go about selecting what movie of the week is? What's that process look like? That's evolved a lot, actually. It's kind of funny because you start out and I think, and maybe you guys went through this as well. Like, you know, what the outlining process of what your podcast is going to be about. So with you guys, it's obviously Mitch Rapp. So how many episodes are you going to do the book? How many are you going to break it down? You know, when we started, I think the vision we had was, you know, maybe we'll do movies that are in theaters and we'll do, you know, movie series. Like we'll go through the MCU and do all that stuff. And it kind of quickly changed with movies in the fact that the movie for us, I think sometimes is almost of a secondary nature. It's almost like the themes or the ideas of the movie um, that we like to get into. And it, as we started, I would have thought, and you could even watch in our first few episodes, when, or if you listen to our first few episodes, it's a very, very different show, I think, than it is now. Um, but we just did like four or five movies that we really liked. You know, we did Big Lebowski, we did Raiders of the Lost Ark, we did Jurassic, you know, all the ones that, you know, 40-something-year-old guys, <laughs> you know, pick because that's what we were seeing when we were little kids. Uh, it really, it's changed over time. We've gone different routes. Sometimes we thought, well, maybe we'll just let viewers pick. Um, and we went that route for a while and that's hit or miss. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and then we've kind of evolved to each of us now by and large picking a movie a month. Cause we're okay. really, you know, we have really different tastes in movies. And that's kind of interesting. And I'm also very type A. Um, so I'll like graph it. I'll be like, how many movies from the 70s have we done? How many movies from the 80s have we wow. done? I've done too many comedies. And I look at that type of stuff because it is so discussion-based that you don't want to repeat right. the same type of thing. Like we had a run once where we watched, I want to say like probably in the span of six weeks, like three 80s comedies and it's like found that this is almost the same discussion. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from there? But it's really different. I don't know how much you guys are still, you know, in the new phase, how different it is than what you envision. But I go back and I have stuff like notes from when we started talking about doing the show. And in my mind, it's much better than what I thought it was going to be, but it's very different. Yeah. A lot of that makes sense. And one thing I like the path that you guys have chosen is this great blend of the classics, but then you also cover the gamut. So I loved your Hamilton episode. You know, you were touching on more current themes with that. Uh, you recently covered Just Mercy. I listened to that one recently. And I like how I can go back and pick and choose, you know, what I'm in the mood for. Um, yes. A movie that I've maybe just rewatched. I can go back and see if you guys covered it. And so I love that you guys have a compendium of films that listeners like me can, uh, can bounce around to and from. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I like that about your podcast, and I, I actually pick podcasts in general that are like this, where they're not. As soon as they come out, they're not dated. You know, a lot of times with, especially with yours, you're talking about something that's a movie, and yes, certain things in it might be dated uh, eventually, but you know, the themes are still going to be present now and in the future. So I, I like picking podcasts like that, and that's why I like your guys. Each of us, I think, bring different things. And that's, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting from week to week. Because, you know, we, we purposely, I don't know if you guys do this with, with the rap books when you're, we purposely really don't discuss the movie at all before we start recording. So there are some episodes where I think we're genuinely surprised um, with how we feel about certain movies. That's interesting because I did want to bring it back to Mitch Rap, you know, being a Mitch Rap podcast. And I too have been surprised when I'm reading a book 
and something's not quite working for me. And then Chris gives it an A minus and he's like, love this one. And, you know, it leads to some interesting back and forth. But then the opposite happens. Like with Memorial Day, we were both reading it and we're texting each other. Dude, this is sick. You know, that scene was nasty. And we're just going back and forth, you know, loving every minute of it. So, yeah, it's really you get a bit of everything. Yeah, there's some weeks where we don't hold back. And there's certain movies we know, like, you guys probably know which rap books each other love. Like, we, yes. yep. we know we're picking a movie, and we know that we all love them. I mean, there's certain movies the three of us had watched together a thousand times, probably. So we know. Um, but it is cool. I think it's, it, it's interesting to have differing opinions. Yeah. And it kind of keeps us going, because I'm pretty excited, because we still have all these movies that are pretty awesome that we haven't done yet, which is kind of exciting. It's like you guys still having consent to kill. Yes. Can't wait for that next month. I can't wait. Best, the best, my favorite. So speaking of these books, do you have a particular origin story or a book that, that you remember starting with? Is there some way that you got into rap that sticks out or were you just always, you know, a fan as they came out? I, I do actually, I kind of vividly remember my rap story, which is interesting. I don't think that's usually the case with most books. Like I, you know, I love Tom Clancy, but I, I couldn't tell you when, I know I was in high school when I read it, but I couldn't tell you which one it was or any of those. Uh, I was, I've been, got it. I said it's, I've been reading rap books for 22 years now. So um, I started almost right out of the shoot. I can't, I can't claim term limits. I wasn't part of the, you know, Vince publishing the self-publishing book and I was smart enough to figure and find the copy of that. But I was in between my junior and senior year at the University of Scranton. And I actually worked for the Jesuits. You know, and this is back before, you know, phones where you could watch movies on your, you know, it's two, 2000. Uh, and you had to sit in a little office wasn't much of a job. It was over the summer. I just had to sit there and say hello to the priests. But so I just read, you know, every night I would, I would read. And I was, I remember looking for books and I was in a super Walmart and it was transfer of power. It yes. was the first paperback copy of it, which has to me still the best cover of any rap novel, which is the white cover with the fire cut out on the front. Yes. Yep. The yes. fire Vince burning the flag over the yep. White House. And I, yep. I didn't know Vince Flynn, didn't know anything about him, but I was like, this cover is awesome. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this book. So that was, you know, June or July of 2000. And then instantly it was, I think, different than anything that was being written now which I think is weird. I think if you come to him now or rap now, there's so many other authors in this genre that mm-hmm. write of this world. Yep. There weren't many like him. He was so unique. It was so different. It was pre 9-11, you know, so you didn't even have these type of stories in print. Not just from that moment, it was every book, from that point on, when it came out, I got it all the way through uh, Total Power. I guess a follow-up to that is, do you, do you have a favorite character? Um, yeah, my favorite character, obviously, other than Mitch, right? Sure. Non, Non-Mitch rap character, obviously. Yeah, is uh, Irene. I, I really think... Yeah, I think that's my favorite. I know every... I, I, probably most people say Scott Coleman. I feel like that's the trendy the trendy answer. And I think Kyle has gotten even better at writing Scott Coleman, even than Vince yes. was, I think. Um, so I think if you came in later in the game, maybe. Um, but so many of those early books were that Mitch and Irene dynamic. And Thomas Stansfield was in there and thought he made some interesting, Vince made some interesting choices with those characters. But I've always thought Irene could be a Jack Ryan novel if anybody ever wanted to write that. And I thought, you know, for a genre that tends to be deemed as very male oriented, right? The perception I think of readers of this genre tends to be that it's very male oriented. I thought he wrote 
all the way back before people were having discussions about representation of women in this type of literature and stuff like she's pretty awesome from almost the beginning. Um, yeah. I think it was pretty, yeah. pretty unique to what you even see today, right? You have, and, and it also added a complexity. I, I had forgotten, I actually re, re, went back and read Transfer of Power during uh, quarantine, and I forgot how Clancy-esque it was in terms of the number of storylines and the things and the roles she plays in that. And I just think she's a great, still to this day, a great character. I even love, since we're going back to the beginning, starting with term limits and transfer and the third option, seeing her as the understudy to Stansfield. Stansfield. And you kind of lose Stansfield. Obviously, American Assassin and Killshot kind of bring you back to that world. But if you're reading some of the more modern uh, or Kyle ones, you kind of lose that character of Stansfield and the mentorship he gave to Irene. So I've really enjoyed going back and getting to relive her takeover as, you know, DCI. And so she really stands out in some of these early books to me as well. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, we've commented that we don't think that Vince did a great job of writing like other female characters, but he, he nails Irene. Well, you guys, you guys have talked about it before, right? I mean, the obvious criticism of the female character is Anna. Anna. And, yeah. And uh, Donatella. Yes. Yeah. In differing ways. But it's in, and I'd have to dig back through Vince interviews, but I think Anna at the beginning, certainly in Transfer of Power, makes complete sense of what he needed her to be, right? And you have, how do you get that window in, in to where she is, and then the next few, it becomes maybe somewhat redundant with this idea of how do you have somebody who lives the life he lives with that. But I have to give him credit in the sense that I felt at the time killing her. We don't want to spoil. I won't say which book it is. I'm assuming most people listen to this know. Um, but I was still surprised by that. That wasn't a safe move. I was, I was shocked. Yep. Killing Stansfield. Shocked. was was not a safe move yep um so i, I was less shocking but yeah i was shocked yeah. with anna yep and the way he did it which is part of the reason i think consent to kills the best of the books i just think that that turns a really good series into something that was yep. sustainable still to but, kyle writing book 20 now i don't i don't know yep. if it's sustainable if that character stays around and it's him just having his own kid with her. And then yep. every book he's pretending like true lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger and true lies is a dad. And then he's a spy, you know, I, I don't think it works if he does that. We talked about how Memorial day really stimulated the series in a way that's unbelievable. And I, we wonder if that's where Vince kind of felt, you know, by sidelining Anna in that one, he was setting himself up for this surprise and consent to kill realizing how much the story shifts when rap is uh, when he again loses somebody he loves or when rap on has more page time where she doesn't have to you know complicate his job and so yeah that that event in consent to kill is going to change the series real in a, in a really powerful yeah, way right. and change rap right. in a really powerful way I well, think if we, you're we've already spoiled podcast, you should know what's going on but <laughs> yes. you know what's interesting i'll say about Vince, and I think any writer, right, is you look at, you know, what their second or third book is like. You know, obviously, Term Limits was different in the sense that Mitch wasn't in it. So if you look at the second and third Mitch book, right, and at that point, it starts to sell really well. And I do wonder, like, what's that pressure like, right? When, when you write that first one, nobody's read it. So you, you craft, create the character of Mitch Rapp. You put it out there, maybe even to the third one, but now everybody's expecting it, right? You get that label, New York Times bestseller. Um, you know, are you as comfortable to take risks then? And that and that's an interesting thing. Like, do you or I don't know. And I thought he I, I thought he took risks there that were interesting. I think Memorial Day, the pacing of Memorial Day, I think is yep. otherworldly. Really yeah. I, I think it might probably be his best paced book. Uh, it's just lightning fast. And he was able, you know, when he got in that hot streak of those books um, to go to a level that was, was pretty amazing. Again, I think with 
no offense to any other writer. I, I, I think if he was still writing, he would still probably be the, the best one in the genre. I guess to leapfrog off of that, um, what have you, how have you thought the transition to Kyle Mills? You had a recently your opportunity to interview Kyle, um, thought you'd nail that interview. Um, oh, how you. have you seen the transition, you know, going? I was, um, I, I still remember when they started the Mitch Rapp ambassador program, I can't remember if it was on the webpage. Or, I saw it and I, I applied right away just thinking, Hey, because, you know, when Vince died for people who had been reading them, you know, at that point I'd been reading them for 13 years. Um, that kind of takes a hit to you. It's a little bit, you know, when we do movies, we invest, like I said, two and a half, maybe hours a week. Um, to, to read a book is a big investment of time. So I, I think you get more emotionally attached maybe. And especially if it's one of these authors you're reading every year, like it becomes part of your yearly routine. Um, so I think, I think Kyle's even said this in a lot of his interviews. I think there was a lot of people who were apprehensive about what that was going to look like. Um, so I remember I, I got picked for the first Mitch Rapp ambassador program and nobody knew what it was. I mean, now it's become this yearly thing and it's, it's first of all, brilliant idea. Yeah. I mean, I just amazingly brilliant idea. Um, and I remember getting picked. I thought it was awesome. And they sent me the book and I actually remember Ryan Steck, the real book spy messaged me on Twitter. And, and since then we've, we've actually become friends and he's an amazing guy. This is pre, by the way, book spy. Mm -hmm. This is, this was when he was just the rap, raptologist. Yeah. The rapologist well, website. That's yeah. Right. And, um, and I was just talking about it, how exciting he's like, Oh, it's going to be great. And I, I thought it was, I, I don't think it could have gone any better. I, I think there's, um, I think that the character started to need to move in a, in some new direction. And Vince easily could have done that. You know, the, the truth is, as Kyle will tell you, nobody knows what Vince was going to do because Vince didn't outline. He didn't leave. No, right, right. Yep. but I have loved Kyle stuff. Yep. In fact, yeah. In total power. I've said, I think total power is one of the best rap books since consent to kill. I, I loved it. I loved it. But there's, there's things, listen, there's things that Kyle has done that I think is very different than what Vince did. Yep. Look at Lethal yes. Agent. I thought Lethal yes. Agent was a brilliant idea and not just because of the timeliness, right? With a coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. But I just thought in what you put rap into and the situations, you know, fighting in the jungles of Mexico, uh, having to embed himself in the drug cartels. I just thought Kyle did that brilliantly. And I don't know if anybody else could have written Mitch in that scenario because we read one of Kyle's, actually his first book, right? Um, what was that? Rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix. Right. And um, it definitely involves the drug supply and different things. And just Kyle was the right person to kind of throw new things at Mitch and see how he deals with it. But at the same time, look at the survivor. He has such a wide skill set to respect Vince's craft. I thought the survivor was a seamless transition from the last yeah. man. The, sur the survivor is, it might be underrated actually. Mm -hmm to people about rap books because to me it's almost the opposite of what we were talking about with like Vince writing rap in isolation and nobody knew the character to write that novel knowing that everybody's expecting that not so you have to deliver on right, something right. never written before the first time right that's I mean there's been authors who who don't do that you know I mean I think like no offense but Dan Brown after Da Vinci Code Right. You know, yeah. people yeah. are waiting and waiting and waiting and he gives us the lost symbol. And then origin. <laughs> like, what was but, that? Uh, but the reality is Kyle, de Kyle delivered on all that. What I, what I'll say about Kyle is this, and this is the difference. And I, I think he had to, the character has to age some. Yeah. So right. what Vince did is Vince's rap, like those, when you read those passages with rap, when Vince is writing them in Memorial day in consent to kill, is amazing. You know, it is, it is different. And I will give Vince that. I don't think anybody could ever write rap that way. 
But what I, what I do think is this, that Kyle has, has changed for the better, which is when rap's not on a page, I'm not flipping ahead trying to figure out when rap's going to be on the page again. And there were times with Vince that I felt that would, because he wrote rap so well, rap was so good. But some of the secondary characters, I thought at times were not as fully developed as what Kyle's done. Yeah. And I think extreme measures might be a good, you know, take on that. Vince tried to go outside of a comfort zone, bring in and focus on a new character. Well, I thought the character, I thought Mike Nash is great, but what Vince learned was he's got to bring rap back into the fold and Nash will only stand, you know, on his own two feet if rap is the one propping him up. And so, you know, you know, what's so funny is I, I do remember reading that book and being like, what the F is this? <laughs> like I was in this a little bit. And, it, and again, this is, this is pre Twitter, you know, when this stuff is coming out, right, so sure, right, yeah. people would be talking about it. No before. echo chamber. Yeah. But I was just like, mm, this is it's not going in the direction I really want this book to go right now. And uh, that book had a choppy feel to it, which I think if you ask people, there was a choppy feel to the writing of yeah. that book yeah. based upon what I've heard from people. So yeah. listen, everybody has one of those. Even, even, you know, I think most people would rank that towards the lower end of rap novels. It's still better than a lot of stuff that is yes. put out. Um, yes. today for what it's worth well i guess the reason we not only we wanted to get to know you and talk to you about your pot but we you know you review movies so we asked you to watch this little off book uh mitch trap off book a short movie and we wanted to get your take on it we had the opportunity to uh, mike had the opportunity to interview the star of it andy mcdermott well, I think looks more like Scott than than Mitch Rapp, but we can yes. talk about that. Yeah. So, what did you what did you think of the film, the little short movie? Well, it's funny because honestly, until you guys had talked about not knowing about it until I don't know, the reader tweet you or something. I remember seeing something about it. And I hadn't even known about it. You know, listen, it's a short film. I mean, I think right. when you go through the interview and Andy, it kind of talks about you know what was the purpose of this, and it was really to highlight him, right? Yes. So that he could go. I thought it had a very uh, late night HBO uh, in the 90s uh, vibe to it. I, I have to say, the production quality, for based on the fact that it was his buddies and, it was, and he was getting film school people and stuff, I thought the production quality was great. I, I will say this. I love, and I think it's one of the issues with a lot of literary characters, which is that when you wait so long for something to come on film, like rap fans had to wait for American Assassin, mm-hmm. there's not enough variation to how that character is portrayed. And, you know, if you look like somebody like Sherlock Holmes, right, he's been portrayed by so many different actors in so many different ways that we've, we've almost gotten rid of the, the, the trouble of complaining about stuff. You understand there's going to be a different interpretation yeah. of what that's going to be. And, you know, I thought the spirit of what he was doing in it was akin to what Mitch Rapp would do. I also felt it was like they dropped Mitch Rapp in the movie, The Raid, if you guys have ever seen it. <laughs> yes. And yes. it was like, all right, this is, we're going to put Mitch Rapp and it's going to be The Raid uh, and go. And yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. It's a, an indie, you know, short YouTube flick and it was a Kickstarter project. So I think raising, he said something like $8,000. Pretty cool that you're a general fan uh, would, of rap would say, Hey, let's put together this fan film, this fan project. And so for what it is, you know, it's pretty exciting to see a fan doing that, but I want to get your take on the the dialogue and and the the plot do you feel like it was rap-esque or flinian as we like to say i mean we have a a former kgb agent torturing mitch rap's friend rap takes out something like 25 28 30 guys dispatches 29 and a half 29 and a half is is the joke but um 
how do you feel that respected the craft of Flynn and his storytelling in just knowing it's a small, low budget, you know, fan film? I think at least they captured a good rap storyline of he's going to save his friends. He's going to ignore yes. the bureaucrat. He's going to go get the job done. I think when you do a short film, there's obviously really only one story you can tell. You know, there's one person, one thing. By the way, I thought every dime they spent was well spent. I, I'm mildly, I mean, when you think about how much a big budget Hollywood movie, I mean, they spent every cent and it didn't look like they wasted anything. I mean, I thought the action was pretty good. I think it was, you know, someone's version of what Mitch Rapp would be, which is interesting to me. You know, it's interesting. You know, there's not much layer to it. No offense to the actress who played Irene. Mm. It, was, it wasn't the worst part. Uh, yeah. Thrilled with the poor trailer. But sure. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, for a Mitch Rapp fan, I love it. I would love like more of that type of thing. You know, yes. I love this yes. idea of that he was somebody who loved the character, right? And he thought, I have to make something, you know, I want to showcase myself. So I want to be this guy. I want to see more people do stuff like that. Like that intrigues me. The people who really love, you know, like, like we said, the real books, but nobody knows rap better than Ryan said. Like what would his rap story, mm. you know, what would, uh, you know, the amazing publicist, David Brandt, what would his rap, like that interests me to see different takes on what he's worth. So if you're going to give me some Mitch rap for 14 minutes, I'll watch it. I mean, right. I thought the, again, the dialogue was not what that was being made for, I don't think. So, no. uh, though, I mean, anytime you get James Morrison at something, I'm, 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 I know. Yeah. He's, he, James he was Morrison good. flex was, was awesome. And it, it was funny, like, uh, I didn't, I listened to the interview after Mike had done it and he said, yeah, we just, he had like a day, he flew in, we shot it like all together and he was great. I was just like, that was, when I saw him come on screen the first time, I was like, how do they get that guy? I, yeah, I do. I think it's in, like from a production quality, which is what I always look for. Like on our show, I think Jim, Kate, we all kind of look at different things as our focus. I, I was pretty impressed for an indie film, what they did. I thought the action was okay. I mean, I thought the cinematography, all that stuff was interesting. I love the end credits, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the end yeah. credits were great. It was almost like a James Bond feel, but with its own take. And then I listened uh to something else they had posted on their website or their YouTube channel. They had a buddy uh, write that score and he was combining a whole bunch of elements. You know, it almost took on kind of like a Hans Zimmer, like this very big, you know, earthly kind of vast take on a score. But then it also had elements that reminded you of other action flicks you're more comfortable with. And so it was really uh, well done just on that, that end as well. But you mentioned James Morrison, and I, I wanted to say, I thought that was, obviously his performance was probably the only one of, you know, reputable, you know, acting quality. But I thought it was also a very Flynn thing to do, to have a State Department bureaucrat whose hands are tied, almost made me think of a Skip, right? How Skip McMahon is tied down by the, the regulations of the FBI. But at the same time, little facial features he made or little things in the dialogue kind of hinted at he's been there done that and so he didn't prevent rap knowing full well rap was going to go in and he was like this cowboy busted in here thinks he can tell me what to do well i've seen my fair share of stuff i thought that was interesting to have a character tied up in the politics but also willing to give rap you know uh loosen the leash a little that seemed yeah, I mean, like something Flynn would it's do. It's fun. I, I, I do. I just think, again, the more you can get out there, and I think that was, I mean, not to jump ahead to the film American Assassin, but I think when you, by the time you got to American Assassin, people have been waiting so long right. or something that the expectation of it, I think, was more than what could have been delivered. And, and there's put, I mean, if you read the review to that, there's some pushback even within the rap community about that film. But I, I think it's because you wait so long. You know, when, if, if Brad Thor ever gets a Scott Harvath movie made, you know, which they keep talking about, what's Let's the perception hope. of that character going to, people have been waiting so 
long for it. I think the thing you can ask for in any adaptation is, is it faithful to the spirit of what the series is? Because you're never going to be able to cast someone in these roles that is going to appease the entire fan. Not when it's around for this long. I mean, right. if you go back to Dan Brown, when they cast Tom Hanks, people kind of were like, eh, maybe, maybe not. But the fact is, like, people weren't so invested in Robert Langdon yeah. the way they're invested in Mitch Rapp. So it was, now when I read those novels, I, I see Tom Hanks. Yeah, but that's what I mean. And you're, but you're kind of okay with it because yeah. Robert Langdon's almost just a vessel to tell the story. Yeah. He's not really a character. When, when you get to Mitch Rapp and, and we don't have a lot of versions, like the only version we've had prior to Kyle was always Vince's. So if you're reading somebody for a decade or you're reading 13 novels, you've constructed in your mind what a Mitch Rapp movie should look like. Yeah. And, and that's part of the problem. Like, that's one of the great things about reading and why a lot of times I'm not an advocate of books that I love being turned into films because I'm not the director anymore. Yeah. You know, right. stylistically, it's falling into somebody else's hands in terms of what that interpretation of that is going to be. And that doesn't always click for people. And I think it's why you see a lot of pushback against, you know, novels that are turned into to books because they're not meeting your visual expectation. You know, in the case of this short film, it's 14. It, I think the essence of what he was trying to do incorporated by and large what Vince would try to do. It, but it's like a chapter of a yeah. rap novel, right? It's like a, a sequence in a rap novel. It's not a, a film. But I, I, again, I do appreciate somebody who loves the character being able to express what their version is. And I think if we got more of that, the better. You know, Tom Clancy, we've had so many different Jack Ryans now. You can have a discussion of like, which interpretation of Jack Ryan do you like more? We, we don't really, unfortunately, in the rap world, we don't have that. We don't have it. I See, I think the better, and you can disagree, uh, or uh, like your opinion on this, I think the better adaptations of books have actually been TV series. You know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, like I, I think my favorite Jack Ryan is actually the, you know, the current Jack Ryan um, that we have on the Amazon series. I think they've done a great job with that show. And I think one of the reasons they might have done a great job with that show is because they're they're not, they're using characters, but they don't, they're not, they don't have to stick to a specific storyline from a book, you know, everything is just inspired by, so. I think for novels, and it's interesting they're starting to go this route. I've always said this to people. I always think the limited series route. Yes. For most novels, certainly novels that have numbers of books like Mitrap or, you know, some of these other a series is the way to go. You, the storytelling is so different uh, that it's, a, it's just a different world. You know, the, the biggest example, and Jack Reacher fans, you know, of Lee Child will hate this. I really like Jack Reacher, the film. The movie. I, I, yeah. I, I love the movie. Now, I'm a Tom Cruise guy, so, but that didn't bother me. Yeah, me too. Nothing like Jack Reacher, but I feel like it hit the essence of what a Lee Child movie was. And, you know, you have to come in understanding that you can't make the book into a movie. Right. And and that's the big problem. So it it has to become, is the character in essence what the character is? And they're going to play around with some of it and they're going to cut characters. They're going to do things. But can you go away saying it was the essence of, of what these books are? You know, what you were saying is so funny because I'm thinking about adapting books and I'm thinking of another character totally outside the genre that has a scar. And it's so funny because rap has the, the scar and we get a somewhat decent description of rap, yet everyone has their own visual of this person where you think Harry Potter, right? There's only one Harry Potter even before they made the movies, right? Everyone knew who Harry Potter was and what he looked like. So you know what? You cast a kid with that kind of dark hair, you put the scar on it, you pop on some glasses, no one's going to complain. Mitch Rapp, 
you don't get that at all, right? We have a, somewhat a little bit of a description, but there's a lot more uh, tension behind it. And so it's going to be controversial no matter who you pick or however you portray the character. I also think it's always interesting with a book series, where, where do you go in? You know, what, what's the book that turns into a movie? Does it, you know, with Harry Potter, for example, uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to direct Prisoner of Azkaban. He didn't want to do the first two books. Um, you know, with um, Jack Reacher, which is obviously a very different character because you can really, one of the things you love, you could just pick any of them. There's very little connection between one or the other. They picked, I think it was, I don't even know what one shot. One shot, right. One shot. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, had to be like number seven or eight maybe in the series. Yeah, it was well um, I'd always say this. I thought if I was going to say there was a mistake with American Assassin. I, I wouldn't have started with it. I yeah. don't believe it was the casting that was the mistake. I wouldn't have done American Assassin. I wouldn't have done an origin story. Yep. Um, but I, do I understand why? I mean, here's the thing. They're a movie studio trying to make a franchise. So you're going to have to sacrifice things. And, and to the point of the Jack Ryan um, Amazon series, I love that. Um, but I'm also of the belief that any Jack Ryan novel should be done as a period piece. I don't like the updating of it. Mm. I wish they would have done rap when raps, what his age was go back to the pan. Cause I think that informs who the character is. And it's the same thing I'm going to say with Daniel Silva. If they ever get the Gabriel Alon novel off the ground, my, my fear is if you update it, you lose so much of what makes that character who that character is. And I enjoy American Assassin. We talked about that forever. I think it's a really good movie. But I, I had been a big advocate of when they were pushing to do Consent to Kill. Because I yep. think that is, I, I think Consent to Kill with Kyle's writing now is a really fascinating place that you could jump in to the rap universe without having to read the stuff before it. You could tell yeah. that story on film. I think it's a very cinematic book. Not every one of his books, I think, is a cinematic book. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of authors write books that are not cinematic because that's not what they're writing it for. Um, mm -hmm. But I think Consent to Kill is a very cinematic novel that would have made a really interesting foray into film. There's not too many scenes in the rap novels that as I read, I go, I would want to see a visual of this on screen. I appreciate the writing so much that the medium of the books are more than enough to stimulate me and, and keep me happy. However, the epilogue of consent to kill and even, even the house scene, right? Don't want to say too much, but the house scene, I would love to see a visual of that with kind of the explosion. And you know, like when a flashbang goes off that noise you hear, um, that kind of feeling on screen. And then the epilogue with that confrontation, I don't want to say too much more, uh, and how it diffuses and wraps up. I just think that would be so powerful in a visual medium. It was so powerful on the page, but it's one of those few times I would give anything to see that done properly on screen. To write it, that is so different, right? When you think about it, there, there are very few authors who are able to walk that line. It's almost like writing a screenplay. And if you've ever read a screenplay, it's such a different thing to read. There's very few authors. I mean, there's two right now that pop into my mind immediately who do it well. And one of them was a screenwriter, which is Chris Howdy. Um, mm. But he was a screenwriter. Yeah. Okay. The other one who I think is hands down writes the most cinematic is Matt Bentley. He, every, his writing is visual. And if, you know, some, uh, some listeners probably know him. If not, I would highly recommend. This I have thing. Overwatch. I just didn't get to it yet. It's unbelievable. Okay. You know, it, his writing evokes the images in your head. Okay. And it's, very, it's a very cinematic style to it. But, but that's a tough balance because that is a very different style of writing. Like to hook somebody in 
you know, especially like you think about somebody like Tom Clancy, he had to write a thousand. The expectation was there's going to be a thousand page book here. You know, you're going to buy a thousand page book from yep. Stephen King or something. To write that way doesn't produce that. It produces like 200. Oh, I think even Andy even said, right? I think the screenplay was only for this was 12 a page. Pages. Yeah, a page a minute, roughly. Page a minute. Yep. So it's you a, can't it's do a, a thousand minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a different style, but I do. I think there are certain things that in images or themes that work in cinema that don't transcend into books or vice versa, you know, in terms of how they do things. There's also that freedom. You mentioned Chris Howdy. I I heard him talk about or post about the liberation of not being in the movie industry or the, the, the TV industry, the freedom as a writer um, is so much more open because, you know, when you're publishing a novel, that's your novel. It's not a whole series of different stakeholders and their input and producers and directors and movie companies and boards. And so it was really exciting to see what he did in Deep State. I don't think would have happened if he was having a million voices tell him the no, story's got to be like this. The film's got to be like this. I don't think they would have let him. You're no. absolutely right. Yep. Right. Yeah, I, I recently was listening to a podcast and they were talking about... Um, one of the, I think it was Winter Soldier, um, one of the MC movies, and they got like a, a, a screenwriter to come in, and the guy, he only ended up having like, I think 20% of his at work was actually in the final script, and he was like, what the hell is this? And then the other people who were with him were like, oh, that's great, you got 20%? We normally only, you know, only get like 10. Like the director just, you know, or whatever, the producers cut everything. But when you have a novel, you can just, you know, it is, I mean, I, I guess your editor has some say, maybe the book has some say, but you know, it is what it is. But we've, we've talked about this on our show a bunch too, um, with the few like novels or biopics we've done. Sometimes the problem is if you are too emotionally attached to the source material, mm. that that doesn't produce the best film. You know, and, and that's where I think as fans of like Mitch Rapp, you yes. need to sit here and say like, what is it that you want to see? Like, do you want to see a faithful adaptation of Pick the Novel? Maybe that's a TV series. I don't even know. I, I don't think it, it, it just doesn't translate. Or would you rather have, let's say like a Denny Villeneuve or a Christopher Nolan or some come in and make a film based on because if those guys come in and make it i'm going to tell you they're going to do exactly what you guys are saying their spin on it they're going to twist it they're going to change it but as a film it might be amazing but are you going to be willing to sacrifice those pieces of mitch rap that are going to be pulled away i mean i grew up in high school reading clive Cussler and loving him when you look at the two films made off clive Cussler books Raise the Titanic, cut out Dirk Pitt's sidekick, who's in every book with him. It would be the equivalent of saying, like, Irene Kennedy and Scott Coleman didn't exist. We're just not putting them in the movie. And the Matthew McConaughey one, which I actually think is not too bad of a film. It's actually a pretty good action film. But a lot of Cussler fans will tell you that they changed the character. to. So you got to figure out what it is you want. You know, what is it that we as a fan base would want to see? I think to your point, what you said earlier, how we have these expectations and we haven't seen that many iterations of rap. I think now anything I would see in the future, I would be less like my expectations would be lowered now because while I, I agree, I, I think American Assassin is a decent movie if for, you know, as an action movie, as a movie, um, I have problems with it as a, you know, Mitch Rap hardcore fan um, with some of their choices. And I think that's what made me initially not like the movie. Um, and, but I think now if they were to do it again, or if they were even to continue you know, the series, go on the kill shot, go on to whatever, my expectations would be different. And I might come to it, you know, I would come to it differently. I mean, we're going to get to American Assassin and Brian being our friendly podcast neighborhood movie critic, we, we'd love to have you and, you know, Jim and Katie and the comm majors uh, with oh, us. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely be here. Love to talk. I yes. think it's an, it's, it's an interesting movie to talk about for a lot of reasons. I think besides just our love of 
Mitch Rapp. Because I, I actually, I will say this slightly spoiler. I don't think Dylan O'Brien was a bad choice. I actually liked. Yeah. No, especially I, I the younger that. American assassin rap being is lax yes. being recruited out of college. Uh, that made me okay with it. It wasn't the seasoned rap. I first met in transfer power or the seasoned no. rap. I come to love in lethal age and total power and the new ones, you know, it is a, I had to remember, okay, he would work as a, you know, 21, 22 year old, someone, just caught up in the business of this espionage because he had to be out of revenge, you know, and in that case, he worked for me with his kind of like messy hair and all that. I think the biggest problem in, in this game is the longer you wait to make something, you become a cliche. Yeah. And some of Vince's best ideas, I feel were poached and stolen by people. Now, I'll give 24 some credit because he was actually a, a technical director for the, the fifth season. But you get the, no offense, the awful Gerard Butler. And then you get White the House down. White House. And then you get the other one, which was equally. Oh, no, Olympus has fallen. Olympus, Olympus has fallen, fallen and Jamie Foxx. But yeah. they, they stole that idea. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, many, yeah. Oh. so many things. Yep. And people could say, well, we didn't really steal. And maybe they didn't. But if you're a writer of this genre, you're, you know, you're writing screenplays and stuff. It You've read it so long to get that through. And yeah. I, I do get it. You, you, you're probably overly protective of your characters and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it's like, now you get to it. And somebody's going to say, oh, this is a ripoff of White House Down. And you're going to be like, well, no. No. <laughs> this was, yeah. this, this was written like 15 yep. years before that awful movie was written. And right. it so happens that somebody else did it first. And... Yeah. But I, I genuinely believe transfer of power as like a Queen's Gambit six, mm-hmm. eight episode. There's the, so many different storylines in that. And, I, and who knows? I mean, Vince's family, I think, has done such an amazing job keeping his spirit and the character mm-hmm. going. You know, what they choose to do with it, it's going to be very interesting to me to see whose interpretation of Mitch Rapp you go with. Yep. Are you going to go the Kyle route, which I, I think, honestly, as a TV show is more sustainable. I think he's created a secondary characters that can support something like that. I or you so. go the cinematic route, which is really what I think Vince's stuff is. And you're going to have to strip it down, some of these storylines. But the question is now... In 2020, if we modernize it, do we want to see those type of stories? Or are we in a lull now where those, so many of those stories have been produced and now we're transitioning into a different world of action movie? And, and I think that's something that obviously CBS Films is going to have to decide. The Flynn family is going to have to decide. I don't know what role Kyle even would play in something like that. But I do think that if they're, they're going to go the, the short series route, that, that some serious look needs to be put into Kyle's novels. Because I think those would provide a series feel that's sustainable. Yeah. Especially the Russian ones, you know. Um, Red War. Red War and then uh, Le- uh, not, um, oh, what am I, Enemy of the State. And yes. The, the one in between. I think you could easily do those as a show. Yep. It's more modern. It has, like you're saying with those decisions, has a couple of easier decisions to make for a modern audience than Vince's earlier work. I mean, I think if you try to do some of Vince's work, you can't just set it for a modern audience and change Al Qaeda to ISIS. You can't just, you know, change the setting from Iraq to Syria. It's not analogous in that way. And so I think some of those, the storylines with Russia and Grisha might be more adapted to a modern TV audience. The, the, sec, the thing is this, the second you begin making changes in Hollywood based upon who wants to star in it, who wants, it's changing. Chris, I think you're right. That first take on getting to see Matt, uh, Mitch, because we spent so much time with them, I'm not sure it could have met anybody's expectation. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I think they were doing... You get people who feel the need to defend it. Yep completely no yep. it was awesome it was the best movie of the year because yep. they, they feel difficult being critical of it because yep. they built up for so long wanting to see it and it's a, a pretty good action movie but they feel like they have to defend it and on the flip side there are people who went in there who love mitch rap 
who didn't want it to be good. They, they didn't want it to be good. They didn't care. It could have been an amazing, it wasn't going to be their version of Mitch Rat, So it was going to be crap. So it's out. Yeah. So it's out. And that's, I think that's ultimately the problem. Like is anybody's vision of what Mitch Rapp and all of us have it. Right. So when you're reading the book, we all have that guy in our mind. We're the cinematographer. We're the director. Can we put that to the side and go in and ever watch Mitch Rapp? And maybe it is, we have to see so many versions. Cause I, I think the Jack Ryan too, I think it's a different take on the character, but I think at its heart, John Krasinski, I, I love him as the character. And it's, it's not 100% Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. I'm going to admit that. But yeah. I, I think he embodies a lot of what Clancy loved in that character. And that if we could end up with something like that for Mitch Rapp, I'd be, I'd be pretty damn happy with that. Well, we had a great time chatting with you about this and really look forward to, you know, more American assassin talk down the road. Maybe we'll do a com majors Mitch rep pod collaborative event and get we, all we, you guys. Well, we got to give, we got to give your audience the, the uh, American assassin talk. We can't cheat them at it. We can't force them to come over to us, but we definitely in 2021, which is thankfully oh so soon. So we can yes. say, want to have you guys on, but you get to pick the movie you want. Oh, okay. okay. Any film you guys want. So you got to, put your head uh, together and come into the world of comm majors. Well, to give a nod to comm majors, I forgot to ask you, were you drinking anything tonight? Cause I certainly had my Mitch Rapp lives glass, you know? Oh, I love live. that. I, 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 I need to, I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't have a Mitch Rapp glass though. I guess it's good because my, I couldn't be broken. Unfortunately, like the mishap that happens uh, with Chris's Mitch Rapp lives. Glass. I, I was drinking some, uh, Egan's Irish whiskey. That's okay. actually um, Captain Bourbon casks in honor of uh, Stan Hurley. There we go. There we go. What'd you guys have? What would you have? Uh, well, I have the uh, Rogue Hazelnut Brown Nectar, a throwback. Mm-hmm. Have one of my favorite beers, but I realized I haven't had it in probably a couple of years, so I there pulled that go. out. If nothing else, I'm thrilled that you were able to have a beer you love. Indeed. I'm drinking a uh, knockoff Guinness, Murphy oh, Stout. Okay. You can always have a drink on comm majors. Yes, yes. Well, that's why we're excited to do this again, so we can keep <laughs> the drinking going. <laughs> I already well, already packed up my whiskey, so I had to resort to the beer in the fridge. So. <laughs> well, I thank you guys because I love listening every week. And, and, and I do. I, I think we said at the beginning, one of the great things in the last five to ten years is people have gotten to – express things that they're we've had access to things that we love that people maybe thought oh, I, yeah, I really love Mitch Rapp do people love Mitch Rapp as much as I do and um, yes we do and and the answer is yes how can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at b costello books which um you know just pick any of those Vince Flynn sites because I follow all of them and you'll see me following them you could see me following of course your guys amazing social media and you can just click from there uh we're on instagram at com majors which when i'm not being lazy i'll post posters of the pictures of uh, the movies we're going to discuss that week pick any com majors episode pick your favorite movie watch it uh and and go from there all right be sure to subscribe to com majors on your favorite podcast player or apple Podcasts as well all right thank you awesome appreciate it and we're going to start referring to you as doctor you have to start no, referring to Dr. every episode yeah. after that. Oh, I will make forward. that a running joke, don't you? Or that has to be doctor. <laughs> yeah. He's doctor going to defend his dissertation like rap defending the homeland. He probably should live be the first thing you guys live stream. <laughs> his, his dissertation. You, you should live stream that. I like it. Uh, that would not go over well. So. All right, guys. You have a good evening. It's great to talk now. to you guys. Have a great See night. You. Thanks. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, so we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brian C., talking about Mitch, talking about the that short film, uh, Mitch Raboff book, as well as, you know, a variety of other things we touched on. Uh, coming to you next week, we're going to be our last podcast of the year. We're going to be covering, uh, you know, wrapping up a few things, tie up the year, as well as we're going to be announcing our final donation that we were able to give to the uh, Prostate Cancer Foundation, 
as well as giving you an update on our charitable uh, you know endeavors in the new year. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, again, we have to thank our patrons, especially our special operator, Sherry F., and our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, and Jeff. We thank you guys very much. Hope you guys have a, a Merry Christmas. Uh, and to all of our listeners, hope you have a, a great holiday. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You know, anywhere you can get the podcast. You can find us online at mitrappod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at mitrappod. And one more time, as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.